Hello and welcome to Michael's Record Collection, Episode 5. I'm Michael Citro, your host, and I'll be talking to bassist Billy Sherwood of Yes. Of course, Billy took over after the sad and untimely passing of Chris Squire. Uh, the two were good friends. They played together many times. Of course, Conspiracy uh, was a project between the two of them. Uh, but Billy's got a new project called Arc of Life, and I spoke to Billy about Arc of Life, you know, how it came about, how it was made, when it was made, who was on it, uh, and uh, we also talked a little bit about Chris Squire and about Yes as well. So I hope you enjoy this episode of Michael's Record Collection. One thing before we start, I'd like to just invite you to follow me on Twitter, at Mike's Records, and of course, Michael's Record Collection on Instagram, if you can find me in those two places, and uh, give us a follow, that'd be great. So here you go, enjoy this interview with Billy Sherwood. All right, welcome to Michael's Record Collection. On this uh, installment, we're going to be talking with Billy Sherwood from Yes. You got a new project called Arc of Life. Uh, Billy, thanks so much for uh, taking the time out to talk to me today. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. I guess the the first question has to be, I mean, this is a, a project that you put together with John Davison, Jay Shell, and these are these are guys you've been with in Yes. Why a new project? Why Arc of Life? Uh, you know, what, what prompted you to start this? It started from songwriting, which is how a lot of the bands I've been in in the past have started. John and I shared a bus uh, on a guest tour and I had my studio set up in the back and we got together just for fun and started knocking some ideas around. And they started taking on a life of their own and seeming like it might, obviously it's not heading for yes or it's not heading this direction or that direction. It was its own thing. Mm-hmm. And so we started talking band and it was at that point that Jay, Jimmy and Dave got involved. And, and here we are now, you know, that, that period was quite lengthy because we were doing a lot of touring, but basically started in 2017. So, uh, but that's how it came to be. Well, you've worked with Jimmy before with, with Circa, with Yoso, you know, um, I think he's done some stuff for Yes. How did you get involved with Dave Kersner? Well, I've known Dave for, you know, ages now. And, um, I played on a few of his projects and uh, we've been threatening to do something together forever. Uh, so this just seemed like the right vehicle and the right time to try to do this. So I'm excited about that. He's a great talent. He really is. I've had a, a chance to listen to the the tracks from Arc of Life a few times now uh, to get, get a little familiar with them. I think that some of it is is adjacent to maybe heaven and earth era. Yes. But I think you went for some new sounds on this. Can, can you just kind of walk me through what your, what your process was on, on this particular uh, project? What, what, uh, you know, what was inspiring you? What were you thinking in terms of the sound that you wanted? Well, I think the sound comes by proxy of the individuals involved as a, as a source thing of the sound. That's a big part of it. And then, uh, you know, just looking to, sort of give it its own shape sonically as you're starting to produce the record and get things going and how it's being treated in the vocals and how you're approaching the rhythm section. And so all those things combined, they start equaling uh, an identity all its own whilst feeling like other things by just virtue of who we are. You know, I mean, everybody knows we play with yes. So everybody thinks this is going to sound like yes. Mm -hmm. So to a lot of people's ears, it does feel that thing inside like you would feel a yes thing, but 
there's also influences from all of our past involved because all musicians are influenced by other musicians. So mm-hmm. I hear some Beach Boys and some UK and some Gentle Giant and, you know, Mahavishnu. And, you know, I hear a lot of uh, different influences coming through. It's, I think you, the yes is the most obvious because we're, we're guys from that band, you know. Right. When you guys uh, put this album together, what was the writing process like? Was it was it mainly you and John? Did you guys get together as a band? Did you did you throw ideas across the internet at each other? Uh, how did that come about? John and I wrote most of what we've got here on the first record, just because of the nature of how this thing came together, where we were on the road together and had time together to to hang out and do that. That said, the next record, I could see us all getting together in a room and, you know, exploring all different kinds of ideas and trying to record it and, and write it as a band. Um, but we'll, we'll see where it goes, but there's a lot of talented songwriters in the band as well. That, you know, the, the songwriting wasn't a factor when we were putting the album together because we'd already started framing the house. So we knew what we had, which is kind of how World Trade came about. Bruce and I wrote a couple of tunes and one thing led to another. And before we knew it, we had to put a band together. So these things happen in weird ways, but on this one, it happened, you know, through John and I writing a lot. When I I saw the band line up and, and, you know, John has, you know, his very distinctive voice, you have a very distinctive vocal style. How did you guys uh, sort of determine what parts each of you would sing. There's a, there's a lot of your lead vocals on here, which was I, I think I found it a little surprising because because John's involvement as a vocalist. But it, you know I think there's some some great harmonies in this record. How did you kind of trade off on the leads? Well, we we kind of thought about it being like a 50-50 thing in a way like Supertramp is or mm-hmm. Pink Floyd or the Eagles or so many of those great bands that can throw the lead vocal around into different departments. So we we knew that and we wanted to take advantage of that and kind of try to go right down the line in terms of how much who's doing what. Um, but there's also a natural timber to a vocals range and where it's written um, you know, I used to sing very high up, but now I sing a little bit more mid-range high. He floats way up there, you know, so it's kind of obvious where that <clears throat> cutoff point is for me and him. So we just kind of look at it that way and figure out whose voice sounds better singing the words and, you know, kind of just make those decisions as we go. This pandemic thing that we've got going on, were you guys able to to get together? Were, were the parts all recorded separate and sent to you? How did the, the whole production well, come apart? The record was recorded before the pandemic. Okay. Hit. And it started, as I said, in the back of a bus <laughs> in my mobile studio, shaping things and getting vocals together. And then John and I had a, a couple of months off here in LA between yes tours. We got together. He had a house out here for a while and we got together at his place and set up and recorded the remainder of the vocals. And then uh, once that was in place, I went into the studio with Jay and Jay and I recorded together to get the rhythm sections, feeling that dynamic between two people happening. And after that, you know, um, Jimmy was in Utah sending files down uh, to me in California and same with Dave in Florida. It was kind of a hybrid of old school and new school on how you can do things together and still do things file sharing. But at the end of the day, it, it feels and sounds very much like a band, which is kind of how I mix anyway you know I want it to feel like you're listening to a band you know so you mentioned you mixed it are you the are you the sole producer of this uh this work uh I I produced it but the band really 
also had a big hand in, in just the creativity of it. So I consider it like a, a group production. And uh, Dave, Derek Shulman was also involved helping uh, with the arranging and bouncing ideas off of me and back and forth to formulate things. He took a, a really, um, uh, you know, close look at stuff that I maybe was looking at too closely <laughs> myself and would give me a different perspective. So there was that as well. But um, for the most part, you know, the home base of it is here at my studio, what I'm in now. Were there, were there any lyrical themes that you, not necessarily like a concept album, but were there, were there lyrical themes that were on your mind when you did the writing for this? They kind of come to you when they come to you. And it's odd because now with Corona, it seems like some of these songs were written for this moment. <laughs> um, so that's a purely coincidental factor. Lyrics come when they come and, and about what they come is kind of in the moment for me. Um, for instance, Talking with Siri is a song I've been talking about in this regard where I came home from a gig uh, after a yes show and got back to my hotel room and said to Siri, can you please set my alarm for 7.30? She said, yes, your alarm set. I said, thank you. She said, you're welcome. And we started going back and forth. And I asked it, um, do you dream? And it said electric sheep, but only sometimes. And I, I thought that's weird. And then I asked it, do you love? And it said, who me? And it was kind of around that moment that I thought this is a song here. And so I sketched out a little idea in my head, brought it to John the next day and we started hashing it out. So these things come from very strange inspirations, but I always travel with a studio, you know, portable world of mine so that if I do get that, inspiration i can somehow get it archived in a way that is meaningful and i can come back to it later not forget it yeah you talking know? with siri was an interesting one um the first time i listened to it i i i wasn't sure i liked it all that much it wasn't apparent to me it, it, it was it was something that revealed itself on repeat listens as to having a really cool kind of little groove to it and and, a, and, and you kind of pick up on that um the more the more you listen to it. And it actually became probably one of my favorites on the record. When you wrote these songs was, you know, there wasn't like a lot of, there's not like a lot of pop immediate, you know, earworms that hit you immediately. This is a, this is an album that has layers to it. And, mm -hmm. and I know that with yes, that's a, a big part of, uh, of what yes does. And, you know, with you guys together, it just seems like this, that you guys were going for something that was a little more of a slower burn than, than some of your other projects like Circa and Yoso and that. Right. Well, I think that it's, you know, there's a simplicity factor involved in this record that's kind of cool and that we were all digging. But it also is like meeting this complex factor and they sort of meet in the middle and, and they work against each other and with each other at times. So it makes for a, a very interesting backdrop over a very simple song sometimes, you know what I mean? So um, I think that all those ways of looking at making music, it, it gives it its own shape in there. And for me, it's about the melody and the lyrics and the song that I'm hearing and, and then kind of trying to fashion an arrangement that's super interesting around it. You know, I'm not so much interested in just sh shredding and, and, and listening to, fast guitar playing and bass playing and you know i want to try to make it move someone emotionally in the lyric or even in the chordal arrangement and and give people a minute to to feel it and think about it so maybe those 
going at it that way has produced this kind of album you're talking about. I don't know, but you know, we just knew that we had to entertain ourselves and, and be enjoying it a lot before we wanted to release it out there to everybody, you know, which is, it's a selfish thing being a songwriter because until you like it, you don't want anyone to hear it, you know? So yeah. we went through a serious uh, microscoping, that's for sure. All of it. On this album, you've got, you've got two songs that are nine and a half, between nine and a half, to 10 minutes long and they're back to back. Was that an intentional choice by you or, or you know, how much did, how much did yeah. you went into the, the tracking of this album? Well, it was intentional to place those there once we were done with all the writing and had everything looking at all the songs and how they fit together. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted the record to, to start kind of on a simpler note and, and start working its way towards this complexity. It's almost like a, you know, like a five course meal, you know, you got your starter and your mousse bouche and your, you know, the appetizer and you work to the entree and then, and then the bananas come out on fire at the end. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like looking at it like that a bit, you know. Tell me about this artwork. Um, it's it's very striking. It's kind of uh, um, it's like you're looking out of a cave to this this beautiful sort of uh, reddish sunset across a lake. Uh, what went into that? How did you find it? You know what? You know how did that come about? Well, it looks good with you in it right now. I have to... <laughs> <laughs> iconic part of the album cover there. <laughs> um, the idea for the artwork came about when COVID was really starting to ramp up and it was like a, oh no, kind of moment. Here we go. And we're all in lockdown. And it's like, what is this, you know? And um, so the idea came to me of how crazy this is and how we need to, you know, we're, we're, we need that light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing. And we need to get back to our real world. So started imagining this dark cave that we're sort of all in looking out at a beautiful world we used to know and want to get back to. So I kind of sketched that out on a piece of paper in, in a very crude way and sent it into the management and said, can you move this along to the art department and see if there's anything here? And, and they just jumped on it and did an amazing job. It's, it's better than I could have imagined. Now, did you shop this to Frontiers or did Frontiers come in and ask you if you were working on anything? Because I know I, I just talked to Robert Berry uh, a couple of weeks ago and he mentioned you know that that, that frontiers is very um very sort of proactive and, and kind of came to him originally about the 3.2 project and and i just yeah. wondered you know how much involvement did they have well i've had a long good relationship with frontiers over these many years now going back to you know producing the john wetton solo album raised in captivity on frontiers and then you know circa and and Yoso, of course, and, and these other things. So they're just allies of what I do. And, you know, it seemed like the right home for the record. They were into it. And that's that's what we wanted. So it was just a good fit all the way around, you know. And do you know the, the artist's name that, that came up with this artwork? You know, it, it, it escapes me as we sit here. Uh, only because I've been doing so many interviews that my mind is... A little bit shot at this point in the day. I have to look at the. Uh, I have to look at the CD when it, when I get it. Right, I know. Sorry about that. He did an amazing job. That's for sure. Did they also uh, create the uh, the the you know the nice um, art the the arc of life uh, word mark? Did they come the up logo, with that logo? Yeah, yeah, I like that logo. It's looking good. 
looking good. Why, why Arc of Life? You know, was that something that had just been rattling around in your brain, or did you guys come up with that well, together? You know, picking band names is a total nightmare. And, you know, <laughs> I've been in a lot of bands, and I picked a lot of names, and it's always such a nightmare. Because not only are you writing down everything that could be <clears throat> on a list somewhere, it's like then you've got all your friends piping in with their ideas. And, you know, <laughs> after a while, man, you're just fried on it. Um, and I don't know, I was outside one day just sort of looking around and pondering life as you do. And wasn't thinking band name, but just started thinking about arcs of things, careers, a life, you know what I mean? Wildlife and plant life, everything kind of has its beginning, its middle and its end, which is its arc and how these things are all connected. And don't ask me why I was thinking about these things other than getting older. You just start thinking about weird stuff like this. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the name arc of life just popped into my head. So I ran it by the, the guys and Derek Shulman, who was also kind of advising me on things at that point, And everybody liked it. And I was the last one coming to the table because by then I was so programmed in my mind to find a name. I kept looking and looking. I threw a couple of other ideas at the band and, and everybody just kind of said, don't even worry about it. We're, we need to be arc of life. That's just a good name. So we decided to stick with it. And which is, you know, I'm the most surprised out of all, you know, in all these interviews that I'm doing, which are many, that people like the name as much as they do. Because <laughs> I was sort of the last one coming. I thought of it, but I was the last one coming to the party. It's kind of funny. <laughs> it's, it's like, hey, it's, Mikey, he likes it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the other opposite end of the spectrum from Yoso, I think, maybe. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's just another one of those names. I mean, Conspiracy, I thought was a very cool name for me and Chris to have, you know, and Circa, I love Circa. It's just got a cool sound to it. You know, so Logic, World Trade. You know, I've always been proud of the band names. I've never had to say a band name where I'm like, <laughs> so, but it's tough, you know, it's, it's like, could you imagine going back to when somebody said, "What's the, what do you think of a band name? And you say, well, how about yes? And it's not taken. It's like a three, three letters. You know? <laughs> now it's like everything, when you come up with something, everything's taken. So yeah, that's the other fact. You think you're onto something. It's like, got it. And well, sorry, someone has that. So <laughs> all those factors played into why I guess we ended up with Arkham Life, but I'm glad everybody likes it. You know, Billy, where do you do your best thinking? Hmm. You know, I don't know. It's strange, but when I drive in my car, which I do quite a bit of out here in California, it's those you do a lot of driving in LA, generally speaking, to get around. And that's when I really, there's no one talking to me. There's no one calling me, you know, I'm in my car. I got my killer stereo system that I've had pumped up and listening to rough mixes that I do a lot of writing in the car where I can think and, and, a lot of ideas come from just cruising down the road and your mind sort of wanders. So I don't know, in the car, I'd have to say in the car. Do you have a favorite track on this album? I like all of the tracks a lot. Um, it's hard to pick a favorite one. I mean, uh, I think the most quirky and unique one is it just in its own ways, which we talked about is Siri. Yeah. Um, just cause it's, rhythmically i like the groove it's coming from another place the fretless bass is really sexy sounding and it gives it a weird kind of vibe to it and just the lyrical content remembering how that came about i could picture the hotel room and you know what i mean it's just so it just sticks with me that one 
as someone who works with technology a lot, do you do you welcome this new era where you're you're talking to your phone and you're talking to your your little echo dot on the counter and things like that? Well, I mean, I, I don't mind talking to my phone when I can put it down and it's off and I know it's not sitting there listening to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm not into the toaster spying on my conversation with your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I like technology to, to help us and assist us where we want it. And obviously that's, it's an amazing thing and, and it's only going to get more amazing. Um, there is that aspect of AI that crosses over into scary because, you know, I, I look around on YouTube and look at some of the DARPA stuff or Boston Dynamics and, and you look at what these robots are doing. It's, it's amazing. And it's also kind of scary, you know, so we'll just have to see where it goes. Hopefully it remains in skillful, compassionate hands, the programmers, and, and, you know, we can carry on and, and exist with these things because that's what's going to happen. Exactly. Now. I know with things are going to start to improve as more people get vaccinated, but right now there's, there's really no live music scene. There's no, there's no gigging, there's no touring, you know, in terms of what you guys are used to doing. Is there a plan at some point to take arc of life on the road? Well, as soon as there's a road to take, we, <laughs> we will be heading towards it. And, um, we definitely, you know, that was one of the things we all discussed before joining and saying yes, is, is that we want to play live. You know, we want to take this on the road. So that is our intention. Um, the good news is, you know, we're managed by um, the same team who does Yes and Asia. I'm in all three of those. So there's, there's a way for them to work the calendar between all three of those that doesn't conflict with each other. And, and all of them can do it, go out there and do their things. So as soon as there's a place to go, we shall go. You touched on this, uh, you know, just now about, uh, you know, the, the sort of natural breaks and, and coming together. What is what is life like as a member of YES these days? Well, right now it's a lot of Oculus Quest 2 because there's not a whole hell of a lot to do <laughs> other than that, which I'm getting quite good at. Um, uh, just writing this out and getting looking forward to um, the Relayer Tour, which is where we were heading into. And um, there's some exciting things coming down the road with Yes Beyond That, which I can't really get into because um, the way the band sort of runs. Uh, but there's, there's, if you're a Yes fan, there's a lot of, of cool things coming down the pipe, that's for sure. You, you knew Chris very well, obviously. Um, do you ever feel the pressure of, of filling his shoes in the band? I mean, is there, is there a pressure on you to, to sort of, uh, you know, pay tribute to him to, to, to do things the right way to, to honor his legacy? Well, I carry that with me through this whole process, just by virtue of what I know he wanted, which is he wanted yes to continue, you know? Um, every now and then I'll see online in these yes threads and forums and whatnot, you know, someone saying yes should have stopped when Chris died. And, you know, the reality is that's exactly what he didn't want. So mm -hmm. no, you've got that completely wrong. Uh, if we want to honor the man, we, we, what, what were his wishes and let's go that way. So, you know, I'm a passionate yes fan going way, way back. I've been a member of the band before in a different capacity. I, you know, I've toured with multiple versions of the band, you know, and then 
the most unexpected thing happens with Chris asking me to do this. And it's hard to imagine that he's been gone six years now. And that the, the front end of those six years were harder than the backside because the, the front end was very sad. And, you know, my friend had died and here I am in his spot. And there were a lot of guilty feelings and feelings of sorrow and, and looking at an audience and thinking, I know they want Chris here, but he can't be, but he wanted me to, you know, there's just so much going on in my head when I was playing this music that it was just mm -hmm. mindful and emotional and hard. And I got through it with the support of the band who wanted me to do this as well as, you know, Chris wanted to, the whole band wanted me to do this. And also the, the fans who are really supportive at coming to these concerts and, you know, showing their support for the band and, and showing their passion for it, wanting to go forward just like we do. And so that combination started turning my perspective around and gave me that confidence to sort of own it and, and go for it in the way that Chris wanted to. Um, and that's what we do. So it's easier now to get on stage and go for it without feeling incredibly emotionally torn apart because that's just what time does when it heals the people who we lose and time goes on. And, but you carry their memory with you. And Chris is, you know, I'm thinking about him every time I'm playing, I'm thinking about him because there's these amazing riffs that I'm playing. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll go to play something and then I'll, try to get it and, I, and I'll know that he did it this way and I'll give it a shot. I can't do it that way. And I'll kind of go, God damn it, Chris, <laughs> what did you leave me here to play? <laughs> but, you know, there was one lick in Machine Messiah. It was like, oh my God, when I was learning it, I just sitting at home thinking, what the hell? But trying to just take his memory forward whilst defining my own place in the band. But which is odd because I was in, I'd already defined it before, but I just switched chairs. And so <laughs> the whole thing's just freaking screwy and weird and filled with all kinds of fate involved in my career path. And it's just bizarre, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable in it now. And I still love the band. Like I did when I first fell in love with it when I was 12, you know, so I'm in it to win it. And, and I know the other guys are too. So Arc of Life is another band that we're passionate about and we all pour our love into and want it to happen as well. Yes, I look at it like the mothership and we are the satellites. And as Jeff Downs has his project with Chris Braid out right now and, and Steve has his trio and Alan has white, you know, I've had satellite versions of the band while I was in it. And so it's just another satellite, but it's one that we're very proud of and, and we will take it on the road, as I said, and kind of dodge the, the other stuff and vice versa and make it all happen. It's all positive as far as I look at it, just more music. Now, obviously uh, also cruises are not a thing right now, um, but it, it seems like there'd be a natural tie-in uh, with Cruise to the Edge to be able to get Arc of Life on that bill. Could do, we'll just have to see how it pans out and, and how much uh, you know we can take, for lack of a better word, on board. <laughs> <laughs> where we're at with all of it up here and how it's working, you know, we'll see. I, I always like to ask this. It's a little bit of an odd question, but um, when somebody sits down and listens to this album, start to finish, what, what is it that you would want them to take away at the end of that listening experience? 
a feeling of wanting to return back to the top and and hear it again in the same way that maybe you watch a movie the first time and it's you're amazed by it but then you watch it the second time and you pick up layers you didn't really oh wow i didn't notice that or that or that because every time you come back at it there's you're going to discover new things in there little easter eggs and whatnot so um i think just taking away the the idea that they were transported somewhere for an hour and so it's a nice escape you know i mean i know when i was a kid and and wanted to just escape i put on tales of topographic oceans and just go you know and put on those headphones and just kind of drift off with the music so i think if the listener does that and and gives it a shot like that they'll find a, a sort of similarity in terms of like a sonic adventure taking you away somewhere you know well talk about your your layers and your sonic adventure topographic uh, oceans definitely is qualifies as that right. yeah what's yeah. Uh, what's out there that's new that that is kind of you know that you're grooving on is there anything new and exciting that you're listening to these days you know i listen to so much music while i'm working and and do so much stuff in production and sessions and just constantly staying busy making music that when i'm done the kind of like listening to music is not something i want to do a whole <laughs> lot of so i'm not really up to snuff on what the new stuff is i mean I'll stumble into things that to me seem new only because I've never heard it before, but it's been around already. And people look at me and go, what? That's been around forever. Um, <laughs> there's a band that I discovered accidentally called Aurora that I've, I've been digging. And there's a song called um, Running With The Wolves that's quite interesting. And the vocals are like kind of Kate Bush sort of vibe to it. And, and there's a Gabriel feel underneath there. And I, I didn't know who they were, but they've been around a while, I guess. Um, but I just discovered it and it's, it was pretty cool. So every now and then I'll stumble into something like that, but I'm, I'm not too knowledgeable about what the current flavor is in Prague right now. I don't know. All right, well, Arc of Life comes out on Friday, February 12th. And uh, it's uh, obviously it's, it's available on physical copy through Frontiers Records, all the, I guess, Amazon and all the, the normal places, all the streaming mm -hmm. sites too. I'd imagine it's the full on, you know, assault on all fronts, where, wherever it's sold these days. I'm sure that's where you'll find it, Spotify, wherever that is. Uh, anything else you want to plug while we're here? Um, uh, well, you know, just can't wait to get this album out after what has been a very long run to get it going. And I mean, as I said, we started this in 2017 and here we are. So just super excited for people to hear it and, and hope that it, you know, gives them a good vibe. That's, I think we could all use that right now. So if it does that, I'm a happy camper because that's what music is. A, it's a blessing to, to be able to make and to be able to share, you know? So. Yeah. yeah. All right, Billy Sherwood, thank you so much for being on Michael's record collection. appreciate your time and uh, you know, best of luck with, with arc of life and, and hopefully getting back on that road someday. <laughs> I hope so. I'll go out there and pave it myself if we have to. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, man. All Take right. care, brother. Michael's Record Collection is hosted and produced by Michael Citro. Logo graphic courtesy of Jerry Cutchins. Follow Michael's Record Collection on social media at Mike's Records on Twitter. 
Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. For the free newsletter version, subscribe at Substack.com and just type Michael's Record Collection into the search bar. Thanks for listening.